finding your seat again if you're uh, greeting someone. It's uh, good to be together. And we'll have opportunity to be together after the meeting. We're serving tea and coffee, so please do stick around and catch up with people. My name is Mark. I'm one of the leaders here at Christ Central Church, and it's my privilege to be preaching this morning uh, from the Word of God. We are going to be looking at Ephesians uh, and chapter 2, verses 19 through 22. So if you have a Bible, you may want to um, be finding it in your Bible. If uh, not, we're going to put the verses up on the screen and leave them on the screen so you can follow them as we go, because we're going to look verse by verse. Last week, we looked at the same chapter in Ephesians, but verses 11 through 18, and we saw what God had done in destroying the barrier which was there between Jews and Gentiles. That barrier was the law, the law with all its commands and regulations, and it separated out those people who were Gentiles, non-Jews, from the Israelites, the Jewish people of God. Uh, they were the distinct people of God. But we saw that the uh, law actually didn't even help the Israelites because they weren't even able to keep that law, uh, those commandments themselves. So God made a new way, and he destroyed the dividing wall between the two of them, and he created, through the death of Jesus, one new humanity, one new man in Christ out of the two. Uh, some translations say one new man, some now say one hu new humanity. Um, well, we're in Christ. He was a man, so it's still legitimate to say one new man. It's not a sexist term. Uh, that he new humanity or new man uh, is the church. We saw it was the church. We are in him. Paul stresses it again and again. Throughout this letter, we are in Christ, the church. And uh, through Jesus, now we have access to the Father by one spirit. So if you weren't here last week, that's a very quick one-minute summary. You might wish I'd done that last week rather than uh, 40 minutes. You can catch up via YouTube if you want or ChristCentral.ca. It was quite a tricky passage to get our heads around. Today, we're going to continue looking at the church. And before we do that, I do want to stress that, uh, well, today and every time that I'm preaching, really, or any time we're preaching, we're preaching what the Bible teaches. We're preaching what the Word of God says about the passage. Um, I'm preaching about what the church is in Christ, what the church should be, what the church can be as it's outworked here at Christ Central. What I'm not doing is saying that we have achieved everything that we're talking about in, or in any way are perfect as a church. And in preparing these messages, I'm well aware that there are areas that we need to work on. Some of those areas might be the things that we need to work on as elders, as we, as we lead the church. Some things are, are, are areas that we need to consider together as a church. There's grace for us all as we do that. And I know that as I preach, some people will have things come to mind, and you might think, well, that, you know, that's just not my experience of the church, and that may well be the case. But today I want to set before us a biblical vision of who we are in Christ and who I believe we can increasingly become through the power of the Holy Spirit working in us and through us. And then we can pray, we'll pray this evening even, that we can become that people. So let's read uh, just a few verses, verses 19 through 22. It says this, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people, and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. 
In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. All right, so here is where we're at now. God has created one new humanity in Christ. Verse 19 tells us that we're no longer foreigners. We're no longer strangers. We are fellow citizens. We're not on the outside any longer. We're not rejected. We are accepted. When our family first moved to Canada in 2014, um, I came here on a work visa, work permit, we were foreigners when we came here. We were foreigners. We were strangers. You didn't know us. We didn't know anyone. We may have lived in the same country, but we were foreigners. We were British. Last year, we gained citizenship. It took quite a while, but we gained citizenship, Canadian citizens. Now, we are no longer foreigners. We're citizens. Last month, we went to visit friends and family in the UK, and when we came back, into Halifax Airport. The immigration official uh, looked at our Canadian passports and uh, he said, welcome home, welcome home. We're no longer foreigners, we're citizens, we're home. That's who we are with God. That's who we now are with God, we are citizens, we belong. Not only citizens with his people, we're members of his household. His family, God's family, we are God's children. Now, we need to realize that in the Greek, which Paul would have written in, uh, it was very clear that he was talking about you, plural. You, plural, are citizens. We can easily apply it to you, singular, as uh, an individual. But Paul's saying you, plural, were once outside of the chosen people. Now, you, plural, are God's chosen people. It's not just I have become a citizen and member of his family, but we have become citizens and members of God's family. I've said it before. It's worth stressing again. The church is a people. The church is a people. We saw a few months back that the church is not the building or the contents of a building. I'm always tempted to say when someone Often people will, will come and talk to us or, 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 or call upon the phone and they say, you know, I'm just wondering uh, whether, uh, you know, we can rent the church out. And uh, I feel like saying, oh, do you want everyone? Um, and I resist the temptation because they probably wouldn't have a clue what I was talking about. Uh, it kind of amuses me. Um, <laughs> the church is the people. The church isn't the building. Right now, we're in, in need of some people who will clean this building. Um, Holly and Micah, who have been summer students with us, they've, they've been cleaning the building along with a number of others of, uh, of us who've been doing that over some time now. We need some more people to help clean the building. But we're not going to say, do you know what? We need some people to help clean the church. Um, although looking out at you, some of you might benefit. Um, God, <laughs> sorry. God God is building a people. God is building a people. It's corporate. Verse 21 says we're joined together. In him the whole building is joined together. However, increasingly in the West, uh, it's becoming common for Christians just to do their own thing. Just to do their own thing. To be happy having their relationship 
with God, without the church. You can connect in with various different resources online. Um, maybe just connect in. Maybe if you're involved in the church, just connect in with the things that you really want to connect with, not so worried about other things. You know, many people really do love Jesus. Some people decide, you know, I'm going to go out, I'm going to serve Jesus. They might go out on missions. They might start ministries. They genuinely do it for Jesus. But they do it without his body. They do it without the church. And there might be good reasons for that. People might have been hurt by the church. People might be struggling with different things. They just think, you know what, this is just easier to do it on my own. But they're not doing it through the church. They're lone rangers. It's possible to do lots of things and not be committed to the church, not be joined together. And it is much, much easier, much easier just to do things your own way. But when we look at Ephesians chapter 2, we see that isn't what God is building. God wants a people. When we meet together, we're not just a bunch of disconnected individuals who are showing up and happen to be in the same room at the same time to sing some worship songs, hear a message. No, corporately, together, we are God's people. We're joined together. Often people will comment to me about how during the worship time, I tend to always sit at the front. I always have done all my life, even before I was uh, a leader. It's nothing to do with being a leader. I, I'll, I'll often sit th at the front, but I'll turn around during the worship times and I'll look at people. And uh, some people have said, please don't do that. I don't like it. Um, <laughs> they don't like it. Some people think I'm checking up on them uh, or, or making a mental note of who is there. I tell you, with my facial recognition issues, I will have no idea who you are. Um, the main reason that I do it, the main reason I do it is that we're a people together. And part of our gathering together is being together, singing together. Often some of the songs are singing to each other, encouraging each other in God. So it's good to look at each other when we do that. Even to greet each other, it's okay to be worshiping God and you see someone and you're like, oh, hi, good to see you. You know, it's, a, it's part of who we are as a church. COVID has meant that many of us have felt really disconnected, really disconnected and disconnected from each other. And we need to find that reconnection. We need to find ways to reconnect and we can find it in the church. Of course, as I've said, sometimes people get hurt in the church. Sometimes people get really hurt and they retreat and they withdraw and they say, I'm not going to let people hurt me again. And in many ways, that is a completely understandable reaction. But God wants a people. And we live in a world where retreating is what happens when people get hurt. Relationships splinter and fragment. People pull back from each other. Families break down. That's not what the church is meant to be like. The love of Jesus deals with hurts, mends us, puts us back together in community and family. We need to believe that. We need to press on into it. We don't want to be a church where people feel they don't fit. And far too often that is the case. People feel they don't fit. Actually, in 1 Corinthians 12, Paul talks about the church as being like a body, and he highlights two reasons why 
people feel that they're not part of the body. And one is that they feel that they don't fit. And the other is that they feel, actually, I don't need any o anyone else. I don't need other people. Paul highlights those two things in 1 Corinthians 12. Both of those things result in people pulling back from the church, pulling back from the body. One out of insecurity, oh, I just don't feel I fit. And one out of pride, I don't need anyone else. If you're someone who feels you don't need anyone else, God often finds ways to humble us and show us our dependence and our need of others. But to those of us who are insecure, to those who feel, you know, I just really don't think I fit, let me tell you, actually almost everyone feels that way. If I was to, to take a straw poll and say, which one are you most tempted to be? Are you most, are you most likely to be tempted to feel, I don't need anyone, I can do it all myself? Or are you more likely to just think, I really just am not sure I fit here? I think most people would say, I feel like I don't fit. That's the temptation. Almost everyone feels like that. And God will come graciously and gently to you and help you with that. You might look around and feel, it just looks like everyone else is in the inner circle. Everyone else is super confident. Listen, I'm a pretty confident person. But I battle often with the lie that I don't fit. I do. I battle with that lie. And it's a lie, I've got to say it as a lie, that I don't fit. That I don't fit here in Canada and that I don't fit here in the church. Because I can still feel on the outside of things. I can feel on the outside of shared experiences that people have. People often talk about history. I don't have that history. They often talk about TV shows that they had as kids. I don't have that those TV shows that I had as a kid, as kids. Music, humor, hu my humor is very different, as you'll have found out. I, somet <laughs> I sometimes see people invited to things, and then if I don't get invited, I feel on the outside. I'm not saying that to make you feel sorry for me or invite you to your parties. I'm say what I'm saying is we all feel that way. We can all feel that way. And, and sometimes I'm encouraged by others in the church not to feel like that. Last Sunday, I went up. Uh, there's a group that pray for the meeting beforehand, and I went up to join them last Sunday morning. And uh, Marley, one of that group, said, you know, she said, I feel God's wanting to let you know that you don't realize how much you are loved. And, th and that meant a lot. And you could think, oh, well, you know, he seems like a confident kind of guy. No, I needed to know that. But you know the main thing that keeps me going, that keeps me pressing in? It's the Word of God telling me that I do fit. The Word of God tells me that I do fit. The Word of God tells me I am a citizen. I am part of Christ Central Church. So I choose to believe that. You know, I call myself a Canadian because I am a Canadian. I'm a citizen. I choose to believe all that God tells me about the church. I can't judge it by how I feel. I can't judge it by my experience. If I did that, I wouldn't even be standing here saying any of what I'm preaching this morning. I probably wouldn't even be here. We have to choose to live out who God tells us that we are. And God tells us now we're members of his household, his family. He tells us the dividing walls have been broken down. So we choose to live like that. We choose to live like that. We choose to live as though the divisions in society have been broken down. The divisions that might be amongst us have been broken down.
We don't only relate to those who we like. We don't, uh, and no, we don't only relate to those people who are like us. I'd like to encourage us, let's get to know each other. Sometimes we have to be intentional about it. Adults, talk to the kids after the meeting, in the coffee break, because we're all part, because it doesn't matter what age we are or what background we are. Different social backgrounds, different ages, different nationalities. Let's break through the barriers. Let's relate with each other. Yes, it's awkward. Yes, it's much easier to stick with people who are like you. Far easier to stick with people that we already know. But this is the church. This is who God has made us to be. Jesus gathered together many, many different kinds of people. He gathered the outcasts. He gathered the prostitutes. And, uh, and, and he gathered the religious leaders as well. The church is for everyone. God's purpose is to build one new humanity. The body of Christ here on earth. What else does Paul say God is doing amongst us? He said, hey, we're not foreigners and strangers. We're citizens. We're members of his household. And then he says he's making us into a building built on the foundations of the apostles and prophets. Christ Jesus is the chief cornerstone in him. The whole building is joined together, which is actually a temple, becoming a holy temple. We're built together, and we're built on firm foundations. God gave his only son, Jesus, and this is the reason why Jesus died. He wants to make sure, he gave it for the church, and he wants to make sure that the church is built on good foundations, firm, secure foundations. Foundations are important. Over the last few months, um, a number of people that I know have bought new houses. Quite a few in our life group have moved to new houses. My brother back in the UK has moved to a new house. And so I've been getting lots of tours of houses recently. People have been showing me around. And you know what it's like. They'll take you up. They'll show you the bedrooms. They'll show you the washroom, the bathrooms. They'll show you the living areas. They'll show you in the backyard. Um, nobody shows you the foundations, I've discovered. No one shows you the foundations. And you don't tend to ask about them either. Oh, thanks for showing me all this. Please show me the foundations of your house. You, you don't ask that, but unless you're a professional. If you're a professional, you might say, well, there's a few cracks here. There's a few things that look as though they're not quite right. Might tell them that something's wrong with the foundations. It's the same with the church. Paul describes himself in the letter to the Corinthians as a master builder. He says, I'm a master builder. So he's concerned about the foundations. He's concerned about the foundations of the church. And he says, the church is built on the foundations of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus as the chief cornerstone. The cornerstone uh, in the foundation is a big square stone. It determines what the building is going to be like. Everything else kind of comes out from it. Everything lines up with the cornerstone. So if the cornerstone in a building in the foundation is Jesus, then everything will line up with that. The building, the whole building will be like Jesus. It will be lined up. So everything in the church is to line up with Jesus, to get its character from Jesus, what it does from Jesus. We're not built on people's bright ideas. We're not built upon people's preferences. We're built upon Jesus. We're called Christ Central. That's our name. That's our aim, to have Christ as central. Now, we need to check from time to time, is that still who we are? Is that still what we're doing? 
is everything that we're doing lined up with Jesus? Because we can, we can start to get out of, out of shape. We can start to build out if we're not careful. So we want to keep asking, you know, where does Jesus put the emphasis? Are we putting the emphasis in the same places? Ultimately, that's what we want to do. We don't want to get distracted by putting our focus and our emphasis on other things. A few years ago, God gave us this building, and there's quite a story as to how we got this building. And uh, we want, we're so grateful for it. We want to see it renovated. We want to be able to see it developed and used for different ministries, for reaching out to different people, to be used for God's glory. And so, you know, because of that, we, we give towards it and we'll pray about that and we'll, and we'll have gift days and we'll say, please give so that we can see this building uh, renovated some more. But is God's commitment to buildings? Is God's commitment to buildings? No. And we need to make sure it stays that way, that our commitment isn't to a building. Jesus went into the temple, which had taken 45 years to build. It was magnificent. It was the place where the presence of God resided. Huge, amazing stones. And people said to Jesus, look at these amazing stones. But he wasn't impressed. He said, it's just going to come down. It's going to come down very quickly. Because he knew God was building a new temple. He was doing a new thing. His people, the church. So if God wants to move us on from this building, we're not going to get overly attached to it. It's just where he wants us gathering right now. Maybe one day we'll outgrow it. Maybe one day we'll need to move because we outgrow it like we did with the last building at Brunswick Street. Some of you might think, I, I don't want to grow. I don't, I don't want us to get that large. I, I like things the way they are. But what did Jesus want? What did Jesus want? He's not about doing a small thing. He said, go and make disciples of all nations. Sometimes he gathered a small group of people to be with him, his disciples. Um, you know, the, the th even three of his disciples sometimes. Sometimes he gathered a crowd of 72. Sometimes he had 5,000 people following him. And then at times he looked out over the whole city of Jerusalem and he wept. And he prayed for it. And he said things like, the fields are white to harvest, but the laborers are few. Ask God to send workers out into the harvest field. Jesus wasn't about keeping things small. He wasn't about keeping things to just his small group of disciples. You might think, ah, oh, but I prefer it small. I'd, you know, I, I, our life group, I, I'm part of our life group. I kind of like it as it is. I kind of like it I as the way it is. I get that. I feel that too. We can get a little uncomfortable when new people join our life group. We've had a few people join our life group over the last year or two. Do you know what? Whenever I hear that new people are joining our life group, my initial reaction is, I don't want them to. <laughs> it is. Especially if they're not like me. Especially if I'm like, oh, I don't know if I like them too much. <laughs> I probably don't, because you know, I don't know people. I tell you what, every time new people have joined our life group, I've been incredibly blessed, incredibly blessed by them because they bring something different. They bring something fresh. It complements what the rest of us have. But we, we can feel we don't want that to happen. We all feel that, I'm sure. We mustn't allow our preferences to get in the way of what God is doing. We must prefer Jesus' will 
to our own will. That's what we pray in the Lord's Prayer. Your will be done, not my will be done. His will is to save and make disciples of thousands upon thousands of people. Christ is the chief cornerstone. And the church is built on an apostolic and a prophetic foundation. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. What does that mean? I could speak a long time about this. I'm just going to do it very quickly. Churches could be built on lots of foundations. Could be built on democratic foundations where everyone gets a vote. Everyone gets a vote into what happens. It could be denominational foundations where the denomination says this is how you've got to be. The church isn't supposed to be built on denominational preferences or the will of the majority, but an apostolic foundation, the foundation of apostolic truth, teaching, and vision, not only teaching, actually, uh, actually built on the apostles themselves, pre- the people. And the word apostle means sent one. So sending and movement should always be part of the foundation of the church. The church isn't static. Jesus was always moving on. He was always on the go. He took some disciples up to the Mount of Transfiguration, and there he was with, with Moses and Elijah appearing, and, and, and the, the ones who were there, Peter, James, and John, they were like, this is amazing. Let's pitch a tent. Let's stay here. Jesus said, no, we've got other things to do. We've got to leave. We can't stay here. We can't stay on this mountain. People wanted it. Jesus would go and visit a town. People wanted him to stay. I want you to stay here, Jesus. Jesus said, no, no, I've got other places that I need to go to. So our vision as a church built on foundations of the apostles is always going to have sending in its foundations. It will be dynamic. It's always going to be thinking about the next town, the next city. It's going to be thinking about the nations, praying for them, sending people to them, starting churches there. It's in our DNA if it's built on the foundation of the apostles. And so we want to see churches established, built on this same foundation, established in the different parts of Atlantic Canada, cities like Moncton, Halifax, St. John, others. Hopefully a good number of you will be part of that. We aren't just thinking about Fredericton. Even if you personally may not end up going somewhere else, you can be involved in praying about it. You can have it on your heart. It can be living within you. We can pray about it even this evening as we gather. We've been sent into this world by God to reach a world for God. Now some of us right now are feeling pretty banged up. Life has knocked us around. The last few years have been compounding it. And you don't feel like you've got it win you in you to be on the move. But God still wants to involve you and direct your vision. And as you pray and as you look outward, God will come alongside you in tenderness and love and compassion. And he'll be with you. And you might say, okay, well, once Jesus fixes me up, then I'll go. Then I'll be on mission. Then I can be used to reach the world. Listen, nobody's fixed up. Nobody's fixed up. God chooses us to reach the world, and he fixes us as we go. And we're involved in the ways he calls us to be, and we use the gifts that we're given. And, we, and we're weak, and we're weak, and we know it's difficult, but we know Jesus is with us, and we go together. 
So the church is built on an apostolic foundation. The church is built on a prophetic foundation. Prophets can see beneath the surface. They're seeing people. They expose the realities. They deal with root issues. Sometimes it's uncomfortable being around prophets because they look at the foundations and they look at what needs fixing. Uh, next month, we have Ginny Bergen who from the UK, who is a prophet, um, coming to be with us. And she'll be with us for a week. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to hearing about what she sees prophetically as she's with us. I imagine there'll be an element of stirring up in us. It's been a tough time. We can get disheartened. We can settle. We can shrink back. We can be overwhelmed. We need a fresh glimpse of God. I would encourage you to come to the uh, things that, sh you know, I encourage you to come all the time, but I encourage you to be there and come with expectation for God to reveal fresh things to you in those times. I've known Ginny for many years from when I was in the church in Sheffield. She was in our church. She'd often come and sit in our elders' meetings and, uh, and, and, and tell us what she was seeing and help us to see whether we were still lining up with Christ as the foundation and the cornerstone. And, and sometimes it was uncomfortable for us, but it helped us. It helped us. It wasn't boring. No one was ever bored around Jesus. We don't want to be a church that's boring. Okay, so there are foundations. The whole building's joined together. We're joined together, and we're rising to become a holy temple. We're rising. Things are happening. Things are happening. We're rising. We must resist the temptation, as I've said, to separate ourselves off from the church um, because it's a dynamic church. Things are happening. It's growing. It's moving. Sometimes people can struggle for a number of reasons, and well-meaning people can say, oh, just take a break. Just take a time out from the church. Just, just take a break. Uh, no, that's not the answer because the church is going somewhere, and if you take a break, you're going to get left behind. And, you know, the devil is the one that separates the devil is the one who wants to separate things out. God is the one who wants to join together. Come to God. Let him deal with you as a tender heavenly father. Let's hold together with each other even when we're, we're struggling and battling with each other. Even when we're driving each other crazy. Or there are deep hurts that need dealing with. He wants you joined. He wants you knit in. He wants you part of things. The church is rising together. It's becoming something. Are you part of it? Are you part of it? What's the church becoming? It's rising to become a holy temple in the Lord, the dwelling place of God as he lives by his spirit. That's who we are as a church. We're the holy temple, the dwelling place of God, a living temple. That's awesome. A holy temple, you and me. Paul is referring back to some imagery in the book of Ezekiel. The book of Ezekiel. And uh, the, the temple is described from chapter 40 onwards. The temple is described. And then from 47, chapter 47, we read this. I'm going to read 12 verses here about the temple. This is prophetically about the church, what the temple is, the new temple. The man brought me back to the entrance from the temple, and I saw water coming out from under the threshold of the temple toward the east, the temple faced east. The water was coming down from the south side of the temple, south of the altar. He brought me through the north gate and led me around the outside of the outer gate facing east, and the water was trickling from the south side. 
As the man went eastward with the measuring line in his hand, he measured off a thousand cubits and led me through water that was ankle deep. He measured off another thousand cubits and led me through water that was knee deep. He led me through another thousand and led me through water that was up to the waist. He measured off another thousand, but now it was a river that I couldn't cross because the water had risen and it was deep enough to swim in, a river that no one could cross. He asked me, son of man, do you see this? Then he led me back to the bank of the river. And when I arrived there, I saw a great number of trees on each side of the river. He said to me, the water flows down the eastern region and goes down to the Arabah. There it enters the Dead Sea. And when it enters the sea, the salty water there becomes fresh. And swarms of living creatures will live where the water flows. There will be large numbers of fish because this water flows there and makes the salt water fresh. So where the river flows, everything will live. Fishermen will stand along the shore from Engedi to En Eglaim. Um, there will be places for spreading nets. The fish will be of many kinds, like the fish in the Mediterranean Sea. But the swamps and the marshes, they won't become fresh. They'll be left for salt. Fruits from all kinds of trees will grow on both banks of the river. Their leaves will not wither, nor will their fruit fail. Every month they will bear fruit because the water from the sanctuary flows to them. Their fruit will serve for food and their leaves for healing. This is the prophetic vision of what the church should be and will be. A river is flowing from the temple and it's a river of life. Trees grow, salt water becomes fresh, fish and living creatures abound where the river flows, even in the Dead Sea. Where the river flows, everything will live. And Paul says we are being built into this temple where God lives by his spirit. The church is to have the presence of God living powerfully within them and then flowing out into the places of death and bringing life. We can look around our city. We can look around our society and our nation and see so much death and destruction all around. We can despair as we look at society and we think, you know, they're just deteriorating. They're dying. We see individuals caught up in it. And hopelessness, utter despair. What can change it? What can change it? I tell you, the river of God, the river of life flowing out from God's people can change it. Nothing else can change it, but the church can. God's glory is among his people, flowing out to change and bring life wherever it goes. Do we believe that? Do we believe that that's who we are? That's what we're about, church. We're not just here to run programs, certainly not just for our own benefit. We're not just coming here on a Sunday to sing songs, to hear a talk. When we gather, God wants to fill us again by his spirit. He wants to impart life to us corporately. He wants us to be encouraged in himself. He wants to manifest his presence amongst us as he did in the temple so that then the life of God flows out to the people in a desperate need. That's who we are. That's who we are. Church isn't just something that we do in our spare time. Jesus didn't die so he could give us something to do in our spare time. He came to change our lives so that we might impart that life to others, to fulfill God's purposes here on planet Earth. Church is the most important thing that we can give our time to. It's what we can give our life to. Jesus gave his life for it. So, so once we get hold of it, we want to give our time. We want to give our money. We want to give our energy. We want to give our affection to the most important thing on planet Earth today. Don't waste your time on other things that people will tell you are important, but in the end will have no other lasting consequences. Don't waste your life. 
It's through the church that God's changing the world. So we give our life to it. We give our life to each other, the people of God, the household of God. It's rising in many nations. Let's not be fooled by the secular messaging that's out there saying, oh, the church is dying. No, there are more Christians today than there's ever been. The church is continuing to grow worldwide and God is coming into his holy temple and he's flowing out into the places of death and he's bringing life and he's changing things. And for that to happen, in order to bring that life, we need to be a people of the Spirit. We need to be a people of the Spirit. We don't have too much time to look at that today. We'll focus on it more next time. But suffice it to say, the activity of the Spirit is not an optional extra. I was talking to someone recently who in many ways had a similar theological perspective to us, but he said, oh, the un my understanding is that the gifts of the Spirit, the supernatural activity of the Spirit, such as healing and, and, and things like that, they all ended, it all ended with the early church. Why would God do that? The Spirit had been promised for so long, all the way through the Old Testament. The Spirit had been promised a time when not just a few, but all of God's people would know the Spirit moving in dreams and prophecies, visions, power. On the day of Pentecost, that day was fulfilled. That's when the Spirit was poured out. 3,000 people got saved and added to the church and filled with the Spirit. And Peter said, the promise is for you and it's for your children and it's for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God would call. And the Spirit was poured out and the church grew and flourished and it, the message went out and it was accompanied with signs and wonders. Why would God withdraw the Spirit from us when we've been sent on such a great mission to leave, reach a lost world? Jesus told his disciples what they're commission was and he said don't go yet wait until the spirit is poured out you can't do it without the spirit you can't do it without the spirit why would God want us to do it in our own strength the activity of the spirit is not an optional extra for us the river flows out from us the temple without the river flowing out changes nothing the river needs to flow out there's no life without the river. We don't want the spirit just moving even just here in our gatherings. We want it going out to the world. We want to get deeper and deeper into the water because we want life to bloom. We want life to bloom everywhere. We don't want to just go, oh, I feel a little uncomfortable about things. I'm not that keen on that. Never mind feeling comfortable. We want to see our society changed. We want to see our world changed. Once we were foreigners and strangers. We were on the outside. On the outside of God's plans and purposes. Excluded by birth. But now, but now we are fellow citizens with God's people. Members of his household. We're built on an apostolic and prophetic foundation. And we're rising together to become a holy temple in which God lives by his spirit. I'm going to invite Taylor to come back up. I'm just going to pray as we conclude by coming back and worshipping God together. Why don't we stand together? Father God, Lord, as we look at this passage, as we look at these few verses, maybe, and I pray, I pray we have, Maybe we've caught a glimpse of what it is that you're doing.
Maybe we've caught a glimpse of what the church should be like. And Lord, we confess we're not, we're not arrogant. We're not saying we've got that sorted out. We know we haven't. We know we haven't. We know it's understandable why people back away. It's understandable because of things that have gone on. We know we have much to do, but we know you're doing it in us. Maybe we've seen that. Maybe we've seen some fresh hope. Lord God, we all need that fresh hope. We all need to line up with you, the chief cornerstone, to know what it is that you're building. We want to be about your work, your kingdom come, your will be done. Not mine, your will. Help us, Lord. Help us set aside our preferences. We all have them. We all have them. Help us to set them aside for your preferences, for your purposes, for your glory. Come, Lord, work in your church, we pray in Jesus' name.